This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. So let's give uh, Josh Barkley a hand one more time, then I'll, I'll get out of the way. Thank you. Amen. Thank Amen. You. Amen. Love you, sir. Appreciate it. Praise God. God is awesome, isn't he? Go ahead and be seated. Dr. Barclay sends his greetings to you. He's uh, sad he's in Michigan and I'm in California. But uh, our church doesn't get uh, him in our home church very often. And they get him both this morning and tonight. So uh, it was funny. He texted me a little bit ago and said, how'd your service go? And I said, I'm pulling in the parking lot. I think he forgot about the... Uh, the three-hour time change. Uh, open your Bibles, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 43. Amen. We're excited about our Bible here. You know, I might look young, but I've been in full-time ministry for just a little over 25 years, going on 26 years. Um, I'm in anywhere between 200 and 300 church services every single year. Let me let that sit in just a moment, because I did say every single year I'm in between 200 and 300 church services. That's a lot of church. It's a lot of church. So if you hear me say something and you go, ah, oh, he's just being a little cocky this morning. No, say, oh my goodness, he's been in a lot of church. One of the, one of the things that I know very, very well is, guess what? Church people. It's crazy how many church people I'm around. Some of them are awesome, and I love them, and I'm glad to be around them. Some of them I'm with the pastor and helping pray them out of the church, because they should not be church people. I know there's none of those that are here today, so I'm excited about that. But uh, uh, the thing that's been on my heart for the last about 20 years is... uh, Young people, I love young people and uh, have a really uh, a big heart for for young people and young adults. And we've been believing God for about uh, 12 years to get a, a big bus, big tour bus. Uh, about 12 years ago, we uh, we did four years of touring and taking our youth and young adults ministry out on the road. And we would rent a bus and we'd rent all this stuff. And finally. One year, I was like, listen, God, I'm all done doing the rental thing. If uh, if this is what you want us to do, you're going to bring us a bus. And so we believe God for it, and, and believe God for it, and believe God for it, and believe God for it. And, uh, you know, 12 years ago, living on a bus with a bunch of people traveling all over the United States sounded like the most amazing thing ever. But it's amazing how awesome God's humor is. Because a year and a half ago, he brought us this bus. And uh, now that I have a beautiful wife and a great home and three awesome, uh, beautiful children, now God is going to send me out on the road to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to all these people. I keep saying, God, can't you find someone that doesn't like to be home? Send them out on the road? Because I actually like to be home. I like my family. I love my wife. And uh, so God's got a great sense of humor, but we're just traveling all over the United States, helping people, helping young people, helping churches. That's what God's called us to do. Uh, I work for my father, and everyone keeps saying, man, you're so busy. Why do you continue to work for him and help him? Because that's what God called me to do. Until God gives me a different assignment, my first and priority goal is to help Mark Barclay be the best Mark Barclay can be. That's my, that's my mission. That's my job. That's my goal. And uh, that makes for a busy life. I have three kids under the age of 16. And uh, so traveling full-time, being in church services just about every single day, uh, raising babies, doing sports, coaching soccer and basketball. And, uh, and uh, yes, life is crazy for the Barclay home. But you know what? I wouldn't want it any other way. Father, help us this morning. Dig into what you have for us. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ Almighty, break every stronghold that is in this place today. Some people came here today, Jesus, with stuff on them that they can't leave with it. Change them. 
Shift them. Break the things off. Do miracles in this place. Fix people's hearts in here, God. Get in those stubborn areas. You know, the areas that they don't want to give up to you, Jesus. Get in there and into those places, Father. And touch the hearts of everyone that came here today. Father, don't let one person leave this building today without getting what you have for them. And we thank you and we give you all the praise, glory, and honor this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, I brought my electronic Bible. Don't judge me. I still have that awesome hard edition with the papers and all the notes. You know, the thing about electronic when you're studying is it don't like highlighters. And it don't like notes. So when I'm studying, I get that good old-fashioned, you know, triple thick Mark T. Barclay one that you can nail people with. Joe, you got a Bible? And a Mark T. Barclay edition? Look at this thing. This thing's good for thumping right here. You know, if you just need to give somebody a good old whacking... That's what you do. You don't want to do that with my electronic version, but I brought my electronic version. You brought whatever you brought today, and we're all excited about the Word of God, right? Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 18. I love this scripture because it says, Do not remember the former things. Now, see, that was your, that was your opportunity. Pastor said earlier I was crazy. So I have to live up to that. That was your point to be crazy. I mean, Jesus Christ Almighty God is saying, don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Man, that scripture is amazing because we don't have to remember for, or think about our past. We don't have to think about yesterday and the day before and the day before and the dumb thing that we said and the dumb thing that we did and that stupid thing that came out of our mouth that we wish we could have caught and shoved it back in, but we didn't catch it and we said it anyway. Am I preaching to anybody here today? It says, don't remember those things. Forget about them. They're old. They're gone. They're yesterday. See, the prophets at Disney had something right. And yes, I say that sarcastically. They had it right when they wrote the most obnoxious song that have ever been written. Now, I have a 10-year-old daughter at home. I have seen every princess movie on the planet more than once. Over and 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 over again. I can quote just about... Every princess movie on the planet. Don't look at me funny. I love them. But they had it right when they wrote the most terrible song that I'm going to get stuck in your head for the rest of the day. When they said, let it go. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go. Let it go. Turn away and... Oh, come on, that was your opportunity to join me in this obnoxiousness. See, some of you have actually been frozen. Oh yeah, I didn't sing all that in my obnoxious voice for nothing. Some of you have been frozen. You have been stuck in a moment that you can't get out of. Maybe a heartbreak, maybe a financial situation, maybe a a marriage trouble, maybe your kid going out into the world. But you're stuck in a moment. Your heart is frozen and it has stopped because it's cold and it's bitter and you don't want to continue. Let me tell you something awesome this morning. God is about to thaw you out. Don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. I like this next part. Behold, I will do a new thing. 
God promised us. He said, hey, forget about what happened yesterday. Forget about the old. Forget about the garbage. Forget about your bad day. Forget about your bad symptoms. Forget about that bad report that you got. Forget about this. Forget about that. Because I am about to do a new thing. Well, I know what everyone's question is next. When? All right, God, you told me to forget about the past. You told me to think about you doing something new. You said, hey, forget about it. I'm going to do a new thing. Well, when are you going to do a new thing? Because I need something new. See, some of us think it's going to be when our debts are paid. Some of us think it's when our wives are going to listen to us. Someone thinks when our bank account is full. Some of us think it's when everything's perfect in our house and it's clean. And when you come home, you know, from work, your wife has everything clean and beautiful and, uh, you know, lasagna in the oven. But my Bible says, now, now it shall spring forth. Now, out of nowhere... It shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Everyone goes, huh? What? See, God is saying, listen, you might be a dry, boring, dried up desert place in your life. Now, I know you guys live in the desert, but I'm talking about you living in the desert in your life or in your spiritual life. There might be a desert in your marriage. There might be a desert in your finances. There might be a desert in your health. But my Bible says that God is going to make rivers happen where water isn't even at. God said, I'm about to put a, a river, I'm, I'm about to get right up in the middle of your drought and put a river in a place where a river is not allowed to go. Something has to happen, something has to shift, something has to move, something has to change. I don't know about you, but I'm tired as church as normal. And I don't mean like normal church. I mean like normal church people acting normal instead of wanting something more. Tired of just Christians just okay with where they're at. I'm tired of Christians and church members that are just okay with what pastor is preaching instead of drawing more out of him. Instead of drawing more out. Tired of churches and Christians wanting less church, not more. Pastor, if we could just go down to an hour service, we would grow the church so much more. Oh, I didn't know we were in the church growing business. I thought we were in the army growing business. Let me just preach to you for a moment, because you know what? In a few minutes, I'm going to get in that truck out there, and I'm going to go home, and I won't see you for a long time. So you can hate me all you want. I'm tired of just church as normal, as usual, like, just come in, and we're going to do this, and we're going to, you know, they're going to sing that dumb song that I don't like. You know what's crazy? They didn't call me and ask me what songs I wanted them to sing this morning. Did they call you, Joe? They didn't? Oh, so they don't even care about what we want to be saying today. Come on, I'm preaching pretty good. If I could, I'd reach around and pat myself on the back, but I'm not that elastic today. I'm in this suit that's got me all tied up. Speaking of a sense of humor, God gave the guy that hates suits and ties the one that has to wear them 300 days out of the year. Thank you, Jesus. Something is shifting 
in our lives. Something is shifting in this church. It has to happen. Something is shifting in the body of Christ. It's been too stable. It's been too stale. It's been too stagnant. Some of you in your walk with Jesus Christ, it, it's stale, it's stagnant, it, it's, not, it's not moving. It's not bad, but it's not good. It's not, it, it's not that, you know, you're living in a terrible place, but you're not living in the place that you should. Hear me out today, because there are some people that are here today that you're living in a bad place because you stuck yourself there. But there are some of you that aren't living where you should because you just haven't taken that step out in faith. You haven't let God do something. You haven't let God run a river in the middle of your dry season. Some of you are dry. Some of you haven't come to pastor and done anything. You won't be an usher. You won't be a greeter. You just want to come in and sit. You want to come in the back of the building, you want to greet a few people, get a coffee, sit in the back row and grumble and complain. Well, guess what? If that's you, you're dry. You are dry and boring, and even God looks down and says, what is wrong with you? And guess what? A cup of water ain't going to help your dryness. The only thing that's going to help it is a cup of Jesus Christ going, boom, right in the rear end. <laughs> it has to happen. It has to happen. Why? Because Psalm says, your eyes saw my substance before I was even born. God knew what we were to be before we were born. Are you doing what God called you to be? Are you doing exactly what God called you to do? Some of you can shake your head and say, yes, I'm doing exactly what God called me to do. Some of you are, are confused. What? God called me? Some of you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are not doing what God called you to do. Guess what? That has to change. See, it has to change because we all have a destiny and we're not walking into destiny. We're walking out destiny. You say, Josh, that doesn't make much sense. Okay, I'll break it down for you. Walking into means it's being created as you go, but walking out means it's already been planned. See, when you follow God's river and not your own, it's all, that river already has a path. You ever been to a lazy river? You know, at a, at a water park or something? You don't get to choose where you go. Sometimes you, sometimes you go and, and there's that, that sneaky waterfall that comes down over the, the edge, right? The one my wife hates because it gets her hair wet. See, sometimes you're just sitting in that lazy river and you're going down and all of a sudden you can hear the water and you come around the corner and guess what? There's a great big fountain coming down. Some of you need that fountain. You need Jesus Christ's fountain to get on you and pour all over you for you to come alive, for you to get involved, for you to get charging into this place. We should be running into this place. We should be flooding this altar, hands raised, no matter what song is being played. Whether it's the one that we love or it's that one that we don't like. See, true worship is if you could stand in front of Jesus Christ Almighty and they could play the same song over and over again for hours and you could still worship. Imagine the band playing the same worship song over and over and over and over and over again. Some of you we'd lose after about two minutes. Others, ten, fifteen Everyone else at about 20 minutes is like, good God Almighty, is this the only thing they know how to sing? 
See, God saw the substance. God knew us. He knew what we were about. Our days were already fashioned. Somebody say, it has to happen. Has to happen. Here's the tricky part about destiny. Wouldn't it be great if everything in our life was easy? Wouldn't it be great if every path was straight? Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to work for our paycheck? Yeah, see, I knew I'd get an amen out of that. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if the current position that you're at was perfect and blessed? Wouldn't it be great if everyone in our lives was for us? Wouldn't it be great if everyone that said they were for us was actually for us? Wouldn't it be great if we never had to cry? Wouldn't it be great if everyone was nice to you? Wouldn't it be great if no one ever cut you off on the highway and gave you the sign of approval that you're number one? (laughs) The road to destiny isn't always a straight line. Sometimes it's crooked. Sometimes it's windy. Sometimes God puts things in our path that couldn't be straight like a waterfall of blessing. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. I've been in so many terrible places in my life that just didn't make sense. See, that's where faith kicks in. The Bible says that we walk by and not by Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, not the evidence of things. So that means that there is this hidden thing out there, this blessing that's out there waiting to be given to us. We just have to be in the right place at the right time. What we have to be is in God's river. No matter which way it takes us, no matter which way it goes, no matter what's in our life, Now, that's an easy scripture to read, but a hard one to live. Especially when everything isn't great in your life. Destiny is in this atmosphere. There's a shift coming to the body of Christ. There's a shift coming to this church. A shift of blessing. A shift of God pouring out His Spirit upon all of us. Shift of where pastor's just going to start preaching and can't stop. And it won't matter because there's no place to go. There's a shift happening that pastor will get up to preach and he'll start to read a scripture or say something. And people will start crying and weeping. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit will fall in this place. And everyone will just be laying out on the floor, out in the Spirit and crying out to God. And pastor, he won't be confused, but he'll just stand in awe saying, this is my church. And they're hearing the voice of God. It's a revival coming to the body of Christ. There's a shift that's going to happen. And God's not just going to move us a little bit. God is going to shift us. Here's the difference between move and shift. A move is a surface activity, but a shift is a foundational activity. Now, God can move you just a little bit on the surface, but that's not what He wants. God wants to shift you or move your foundation from where you are now into a whole new place. God's not just changing your circumstance. God is changing your scenery. You don't like where you're at? You don't like your scenery? Guess what? Move. You don't like what the devil's doing in your life? Guess what? Get a new address. Get a new spiritual address. Some of you, it might just be moving from the back row 
up to the altar during worship. Some of you might be, it might be a little bit more word or instead of that secular radio station kicking on some praise and worship. I don't know what it is in your life. It's, it's something different for, for every person. But I know who's got the answer. Pastor and Mrs. Pastor, because God brought them into your life to help you, not help me. They're not my pastor, although they're great pastors and I love them and they're good friends of ours and we've known them forever. But they're not my pastor. Guess what? They're your pastor. And God gave them the exact tools and the exact things to help you in every situation. And everything that you're going through. God gave them that anointing. Why? Because they're your pastor. Just like God gave your doctor the ability to fix you. It's amazing to me that how many people will question their pastor. I need you to go home and I need you to read these three chapters. Well, why? Because it'll help you. Yeah, but I need to know more. Yet, we'll go to the doctor... And the doctor will say, you have this, this, and that. Go fill these three prescriptions. Take three a day. And if it doesn't work in five days, call me. And not one of you will Google what you just picked up from the pharmacy. Come on, I'm preaching really, really good right now. You won't challenge him. You won't, you won't get a second opinion to see. No. You want fix, therefore you will cram whatever it takes into your mouth to get free from the problem that you're current having. Oh, I, I know for sure. Friday before I came, I, I was up all Thursday night. Had to have an emergency root canal on Friday morning. Oh yeah. I almost removed a tooth, Joe. I almost did a self-extraction. No Novocaine, no nothing. I always went to got the pliers and put it in. That's how bad the pain was. And when I left there, a few hours later after I left there, I sat there and I said, you know what? I didn't ask him a question. I didn't second guess him. I didn't ask him what he was shoving in my mouth. And when he shoved that needle in there, all I said was do it faster. Right? I wanted numb, and I wanted numb as fast as possible. And then I wanted to know that when that numbness wore off, that that pain was not coming back. See, that's what we need to do when we go to our pastors. Pastor, I have a problem. Well, let me give you the medicine for that. Now, if you don't like the medicine, it ain't the preacher's fault. You're going to tell the doctor I ain't going to take that? I mean, you have that option, but it ain't happening, especially when you're in pain. But yet, if we're in spiritual pain, come on now. I'm going to go over here. They don't like me over there. When you're in spiritual pain, now all of a sudden, We're going to go to the spiritual doctor, the one trained to fix my heart, my soul, to fix my attitude, to fix my actions, to fix my marriage, to help fix my kids, to help me get closer to God, to help me get to the altar. I mean, all he's asking me to do is come to church and give God what's already his and I can get fixed, blessed. Come on now. All right, now I'm going to really make you mad. This is free. I'm going to put this down so you don't think it's in my notes. You want to know how to really tick off the devil? You want to really know how to get your life fixed and how, how to make sure the devil doesn't mess with you anymore? Malachi chapter 3. Oh, yeah, I went there. You didn't like what I was preaching a minute ago on the medicine? Oh yeah, we're going over to Malachi chapter 3 in verse 10. You know what it says? First word is, bring ye the tithes. All of the tithes. 
bring ye not send ye bring ye all the tithes into the what's the storehouse man you guys can preach this message i don't even need to be here bring all the tithes into the church so that there may be meat in god's house So therefore, if you take your tithe and send it to someone else like a TV preacher, that ain't tithe, that money became an offering. And I hope you do that. I hope you take an offering and send it out. Your pastor will tell you to support people like the Copelands and the Barclays and others. But that ain't tithe. Because tithe has to be brought in to the housing of the Lordeth. That's King Josh's version. But listen, it don't stop there. Now, see, if you don't want to be blessed, then you don't have to follow Malachi chapter 3. You don't have to. There's no, there's no rule that says if you don't do it, you're going to go to hell. Now, see, pastor gets up and talks to you about the offering, and some of you are like, here he goes again. All he wants is our money. No, he wants your butts in the chairs. Because the reason why you want your butts in the chairs, can you say butt in church? I just did like three times. Not only does he want your rear end in the church, it's because he wants your heart in the church because he wants your soul in heaven. But Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 doesn't stop there. Not only says bring you all the tithes and the offerings, there may be me in my house. But God gets a little cocky about it. He says, prove me wrong. Will I not open up a window into heaven and pour out such a blessing that there is not enough room to receive it? Now, that ain't a spiritual blessing. I don't care how you look at it. That's a blessing of goods. That's a blessing of clothes. That's a blessing of cars. That's a blessing of houses. That's a blessing of money. All right, you're looking at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. If he opens up a window of heaven that you don't have enough room to receive it, right? Can you store up healing so that when you get sick down the road, you can say, oh, I've got some healing over here. I'm going to apply it to my sickness. Can you store it up? Oh, you can't. Can you store up love? Can you store up peace? Can you store up joy? Can you take any of the fruit of the spirits and store it up and stick it in your closet? No, you cannot. So if you can't store up the spiritual things, what can you store up? Stuff. Thank you. This ain't the first time I've preached this message. No, God wants us blessed. He wants our garages full. God even wants you to have the things that you want, the toys that you want, the things to ride on, and the the things to, you know, shoot with. I'm a shooter. I'm a gun guy. I got a lot of guns. That's right. That's why I would never live in this state. Although I was born in this state, I'd never live in this state because this state don't like guns. But my state loves guns. And I got a lot of guns. I love them. It's my favorite thing. Sometimes when I've gone on a a long trip, I'll just go to my gun safe and open it up and open the door and just stand there. I'll reach in and grab a few out of there. You know, you got to rack them a couple times to make sure they still work. They haven't been used in a while, right? Got to make sure they they still work. Got to make sure the neighbor knows that he's under check. God wants us to have stuff. He wants us to be blessed. But see, God didn't stop there. He said, not only will I open up a window of heaven and pour out such a blessing, there isn't room to receive it. Will I not also rebuke the devourer? Will I not make sure that when you throw your seed out, that it lands on good ground and begins to grow? And not only will I do all of that, I will make sure that your fruit grows up and harvests at the right time. Now, you don't get that if you're a Christian. Malachi 3, chapter 10 didn't say, if you're a Christian, 
I will do these things for you. If you give a little bit of money, you know, when you feel like it, when it's convenient. No, it said when you bring your tithes into my storehouse, then and only then will I bless you. I like proving God wrong. You should too. Try it. Tithe for the next 365 days of every penny that comes into your account. And if God doesn't bless you and God doesn't do something, then I'd set up a meeting with pastor and say, Hey, that Barclay punk came in here and gave me a challenge and it didn't work. All right, you're still looking at me dumbfounded. There was a story, Josh, of this preacher. And his mom was getting older. He grew up and they grew up in church and he became a preacher. And and, uh, he was talking one day with his mom and he found out his mom, after all these years of being a Christian, she never tithed. Never once. She was always sick, always in and out of the hospital, always having issues. And he said, Mama, listen, you're getting old. You know, your days really are, are, you know, I'm not prophesying, but, you know, let's just, let's just say common sense says you ain't going to be around a whole lot longer, especially with all your illnesses. He said, I'm going to make a deal with you. You tithe for the next year. Every penny that comes in, no matter what it is, no matter who gives you anything, you tithe every single bit. And if God doesn't do something in your life, I will reimburse you personally every dime that you gave the church. Okay, deal. We had kind of forgot about it, and one year later, the phone rings. Guess who's on the other line? It's Mama. And Mama said, hey. You made a deal with me, and I want my money back. He said, okay, okay, Mom, what are you talking about? He had totally forgot. She she said, I tithed on every bit of money, every dollar. I tithed every time I went to church. I gave money in that bucket, whether I had it or not, whether it was a quarter, a dollar, or a hundred dollars. I gave it, and God's done nothing for me. He said, well, that's... The first time I've ever heard that, Mom, did you, did you think to stop and ask God why? Let me call you back. She was a prayer warrior. About 15 minutes later, Mama called back crying. He said, Mama, are you okay? She said, yeah, I'm okay. I did exactly what you asked me to do. I got on my hands and knees before God and we had a conversation and I was mad. I said, God, you said in your word that if I brought my tithes and offerings into the storehouse, that you would bless me and you've done nothing. Well, Mama, what did he say? He asked me one question. Well, Mama, what was the question? She had been in and out of the hospital probably once a month or more for ten years. She said, God asked me one question. And the question was, when was the last time you were sick? She said, son, I had to go into my book and I had to flip back and I realized that it had almost been one year to the date was the last time I had been to the doctor. See, what was God doing? God was proving, like he said in the Bible, that he would do. You can't prove him wrong. All you've got to do is follow the instructions. Now, us guys aren't very good at following instructions when we put stuff together. That's why we always have a little handful of parts left over when we're done. And we lie to all you wives and kids and say that they send us extra parts. Come on, anybody ever said when they were done, yeah, these parts are extra. They ain't extra. We, we, we skipped a spot somewhere. We just didn't want to tell you. Sorry to rat all you men out. I don't even put stuff together anymore. My wife's like, you ain't doing it. We're finding someone else. 
Because I wouldn't have more than a handful. I'd have like a board and a few, you know, screws and a couple of bolts. And, you know, the thing was supposed to be like this and it's like this. I had a better plan. It worked out better, I thought. Don't look at me like that. See, God said, prove me wrong. There's a shift that has happened, and it's not going to be on the surface. It's going to be on that foundation level. I've been through a lot of dark times in my life. Our flesh gets agitated because we're coming to church. You're flesh gets upset because you're lifting your hands in worship. Your flesh is agitated because you're reading the Bible. Your brain says, stop going to church so much. Your body says, this is a long time. We've been sitting here. I wish this guy would shut up already. Your brain is thinking about where you're going to lunch and What's happening with this? And where's my kids at? And what are they doing? And wonder what's happening here. God's about to change the very foundation of what you're standing in. I know it. I know it because I've lived it. I know it because I've been there. I know it because no matter what is your darkest our God is always there with you. Especially if you're a tither and you're a giver and you're a living in faith person and you're a worshiper. See, it's like every one of those things is like another piece of armor on you. Sure, tithing is good. That's, a, that's, a, that's like a shield around you. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're a giver on top of that. And you give to the other people. All of a sudden you get another, you know, part of protection. And then, you know, you're a worshiper. You're at the altar worshiping God. And you're in this building and in this house. And you're a prayer warrior. And you're at home praying. And you're praying in your car. Every little bit is another layer of protection. been through some dark, dark places in my time. Those of you that have heard my testimony before, I know some of you have. I've been through a whole lot. For only being 40 years old, I almost lost a couple of kids. I've almost lost my wife, almost lost my mom. My mother-in-law should be dead. She's been through seven back surgeries. She shouldn't be able to walk. I did lose my niece. She drowned in a pool for about nine minutes. So God had another plan for her life. Been through a lot. Been through a lot of financial difficulties. We weren't always blessed. Our ministry wasn't always blessed. My paycheck would come and I'd go, really? This is it? There's a zero missing here. I'd even try to go to financial and convince them to add a zero. And they're like, uh, no, that's your paycheck. Welcome to Jesus Christ Almighty Ministries. I love it when people tell us and other ministries that they're in it for the money. And I'm sure there are some that are. I know our ministry's not in it for the money because guess what? There is none. I know this church isn't in it for the money because guess what? They would probably love to be in it for some money. But guess what? There is no money. Unless there's a millionaire that's coming here just dropping a million dollars a year. Do we have that happening here? Do you have like a million dollar a year extra bonus coming in? Oh, is pastor making over, you know, two or three hundred thousand dollars a year? Oh, he's not. Oh, so we're not in. We're definitely not in. in it. Is, is pastor driving a, you know, like a nice Corvette or a Ferrari or, you know, what is it? A 95 Buick. Oh, well, your pastor's in it for the money. Yeah, I mean, you know, 20, what, 22-year-old car. I mean, he's flying high. He is taking every bit of your offering and your tithe, and he is sinking it into his car. Actually, he might be just to keep that thing running. (laughs) 
Just kidding, by the way. Pastor, I know you're gone, and when you hear this, I'm just kidding. God's about to shift us into a whole new realm. See, until you come in that back door with an 18-month-old baby in your arms because he can't move, because he's diagnosed with a disease that's going to put him in a wheelchair and nine out of ten kids go blind having this disease until you walk in that back door carrying this baby and your wife in tow and you come down the the aisle and you get to the altar and you bring them all the way up to the altar and you lay them down at the feet of Jesus and during the worship, whether it's good or not, whether it's your favorite song or not, you raise your hands and you begin to cry out to God and tell Him how awesome He is and how wonderful He is and how magnificent He is. And Jesus, You are Alpha and Omega and You are the Creator of everything. See, until you do that for week after 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 week. Nineteen of them to be exact. Three services in a row. Many of those, we had a church in Cincinnati, Ohio, and one in Michigan. And that was another thing that God had a great sense of humor because the last thing I ever wanted to do was be a pastor. And then my dad decided to take on a second church, and then I pastored two churches every single Sunday for two and a half years. It was great. So you have to take your boy, diseased, wheelchair-bound, fever of 104 degrees. The only way to get that fever down was to give him medicine every four hours for 18, 19 weeks. Not days. Weeks. My wife and I brought that little baby boy, you know, the thing that we believe God for. A little baby that we couldn't, couldn't wait, our firstborn, brought him in and laid him at the altar. Got up there and preached. You know what? The devil tried to kick us. You know why? David, we, I was preaching in both services 16 weeks on faith and healing. What's he do? He diseases my boy. I could have gave up. Could have quit. Could have gave God my disapproval. Many a times I asked God why. Many a times I asked God what's going on. But week after week, I brought that baby in from the back. Laid my pride down. Oh, you want to know what the... David, the hardest thing in our life was, was taking that baby and bringing him to the altar. Everyone looking at you? Ha! faith preacher. He just preached last week on how God's the healer. Service after service, I laid that baby boy down on that altar and I told God how awesome he was. I said, God, if this is the destiny for my baby, then I will serve you and I will let every, God, you will get glory out of this and the devil will get none. He gets no glory out of this. Yeah, but he took your, he's taking your baby. It don't matter. He ain't getting no glory out of it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was in the middle of that fiery furnace dancing. See, the problem with some of us is that when we are in the midst of the fire, there ain't no dancing. There's a lot of crying. There's a lot of feel sorry for me, feel bad for me. Look at what I'm going through. Drugged that baby in, brought him to the altar because that's where he needed to be. Not at home. We didn't need to feel sorry for ourselves. He needed to be at that altar. And then one day, that wheelchair-bound, 
half-blind at the time, baby boy stood up, came into our room and was hungry. Couldn't get him to eat for weeks. God healed him, and not only is he not in a wheelchair, he's a star basketball player and soccer player. Yeah, let me brag for a minute. This is a this is a 13-year-old boy dropping anywhere between 18 and 30 points a game in basketball. That's pretty good if you're in college, let alone when you're 13. Last week they were in a soccer game, and I coached my oldest son. And in between the two uh, games, you know, at halftime I went booking it across the, you know. We have a huge soccer complex, and they couldn't put our games right next to each other because that'd be too hard. It was like eight fields away. So at halftime, I told the other coach, I'm like, you beat up the uh, older kids. I got to go watch my boy go flying down there just in time to watch him score a goal. And I'm like, yes, that's my boy. And I turned, I said, hey, what's the score? And they said 4-0. I was like, yes, we're winning. And I'm, I like information, and I love all the other kids on the team. This team's been the same team for years, and so we know them all. And so I was like, man, who, what other kid got goals? And they're like, none. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's 4-0. And they're like, yeah, Malachi has all four goals. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, this is the kid that's supposed to be in a wheelchair. This kid is supposed to be dead or, or whatever. He's supposed to be blind, but you know what? He's in advanced reading. He's a grammar Nazi. Yeah, you text, in a group text, he's like, hey, you forgot, you put a period instead of an exclamation point. Your comma's in the wrong spot. You used the wrong tense of this word. I'm like, you're 13, shut your mouth. I'm going to send you to your room, don't correct me. Yeah, dad, it's wrong. I don't care what it is. What are you saying, Josh? I'm saying, I've been there. Been in my darkest hour. My wife got diagnosed with a very rare cancer that kills most women. It's ovarian cancer. And most women die of ovarian cancer because it's undetectable until it's too late. My wife kept going into the doctor and saying, there's something wrong with me. And they'd do a few things here and there. And they'd say, no, you're fine. And so she'd come home and she'd say... You know, I don't feel right. There's something wrong. So she went in and went in and went in and went in. Almost 15 doctor visits in a year time. Finally, she convinced a doctor friend of ours. She said, I don't care if I have to pay for it. I want an MRI done. She worked it out, got an MRI done, and guess what? Cancer. Doctors said it's... Most likely too late. It's been growing over the last year. No joke. It's been growing over the last year. We've been trying to tell you. But, you know, it's great because doctors are just practicing anyways. They're not actually doing it. They're practicing it. Don't get me wrong. I love doctors. I have a lot of doctor friends. I like to give them a hard time because I'm actually doing my work and they're just practicing. Let us as preachers just practice and see how far that goes, right? Hey, don't get mad at us if your marriage is falling apart. We're just practicing. little nudge, if there's any doctors here, I do love you. I really loved you guys on Friday when you got my tooth fixed. Awesome. Haven't felt it since. God is good. How do you look at your wife after the doctor comes and says there's a 70% chance that your wife will die in the operating room. Like, Doc, that ain't my job to tell her. That's your job. What are you, what are you, what are you talking about? Service after service. You know where you found my wife and I and my babies? At that altar. Now, we've got an awesome worship team now. I love our worship team. They're phenomenal. But back then, good God Almighty. <laughs> Throw a CD of Chris Tomlin or something and we'll call it good. Don't even play. You know where the last place I wanted to be? Was at that altar because I had to get over an attitude before I could even worship. Service after service, you found 
my wife and I at that altar. I remember one during the, her major surgery, she had three or four, and during her major one, the one that the doctor came and said, you know, whatever it was, seven out of ten women die. And I said, oh, that's awesome. That means three out of ten live. And he just looked at me. I'm like, guess what? My wife's the three out of the ten. I don't know about the seven out of the ten. I feel bad for them. That's terrible. But my wife's the three out of the ten. You tell me there's a 30% chance she's going to live. I remember that somber moment, Josh, before, before she went back. We were in the room all by herself before surgery. They got her all prepped, got that cute little hat on her, you know, and she's in that gown and, you know. She's a little nervous, even though we love Jesus and we were calling on the name of Jesus and we knew God was going to do something. Just before she went back, I said, listen, if the worst thing that happens is you go to the very place that we're believing God to, be, to go, that we're laying all, we're sacrificing all of this, our time, our money, our family. I mean, what do we... What are you here for? To make heaven? Anybody here to make heaven? Anybody come here Sunday mornings and and other services because the ultimate goal is to make heaven? Anybody want to go to heaven? A third of you. Awesome. Maybe I should have changed this message to making heaven. Now, how many of you want to make heaven? Exactly. That's why we're here. That's why we serve God. And so I said, babe, if the, if the, the worst that happens is you get off of this God-forsaken earth and you beat me to the most glorious place that we've been sacrificing to go to? When you're in your darkest hour, and believe me, I've been there, I told you about my niece. I'm running out of time here, not because the pastor gave me a time limit, just because I'm a nice guy. My niece, we were actually out here in California when we got the phone call. My niece was dead on the side of a pool. My brother and sister weren't going to have it. We're going to stand for it. My brother literally, brother-in-law literally yelled at the top of his lungs, Devil, you're a liar. We are tithers. We have tithers' rights. We are givers. We live right. You are not going to take this baby girl. It is not her time. And instantly, nine minutes, over nine minutes, she was in the pool for three or four minutes under the water before they yanked her out and put her up. And then she laid there lifeless until the paramedics got there. Now, we don't live in a a massive metroplex city, but it ain't like the paramedics are right across the street from our house. Took them five or six minutes to get there. I think they said from the phone call till the time they actually arrived was six minutes before the paramedics got there. But then that little girl, I think she was ten at the time, sat right up. And that's a miracle, but... I think the biggest miracle of the whole thing is that she didn't spit up any water. See, God isn't just about bringing people back. God's about making them an example. She didn't spit up any water because God went inside there and dried it all up because that's why she drowned. You know, that's what happens when you drown. In case you didn't know, water goes in your lungs, can't breathe anymore, and you drown. No water in there at all. They couldn't find any. My baby boy, you can't find a, a thing now. It's all gone. My wife has been cancer free for, I should know the number, six, going on six years, I think, this June. Not a stitch, not a trace. See, I've been there. I've been in the dark moments and the dark hours of our life. And it's not about going through it. It's about what you do as you go through it. Some of you are grumblers and complainers and want to blame everyone else. Really, what we need to do is worship. 
Sometimes you just have to stop and bow your knee before Jesus and say, And when before the throne, in you I find myself complete. Jesus died to save my soul. In him I am complete. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but guess what? Jesus, Jesus, you washed it white as See, it's just like Paul and Silas in the midst of that bondage. They begin to worship Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego begin to worship David. Going up against the Goliath, begin to worship, begin to think about what God had already done. I think they got excited, all of them. That's why those three Hebrew boys were jumping around in there because they got excited about what God had already done in their lives. They begin to say, oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one paid my debt and raised this filthy, rotten life. See, when you're in the midst of your darkest, deepest moment, and listen, I have been there, so you can't look at me and say, that young preacher has no idea what he's talking about. No, it's the exact opposite. This is about the only thing that I know what I'm talking about. When you're in the deepest, darkest moment of your life, When your baby's dying, when your wife's dying, when your niece is dead. That's not the time to give up. That's the time to begin to praise Jesus. When your marriage is a wreck, that's the time to praise Jesus. When your finances are in trouble, that's the time to give more. What? Are you kidding? When we battled that thing, my wife does all the finances. I hope we have money. I have no idea. She could take me to the cleaners. Good part is, is I don't make much money, so she's good there. Or I'm good there. She ain't going too far. She can run off with a couple hundred bucks, but you know what? It's going to get you like to the border, and she's going to turn around and come back. First thing I went after was my money. I borderline accused my wife of not tithing. I said, you run these finances. Show me you didn't miss a tithe. We missed some. I said, honey, you pay our bills. We're a man and woman of our word. You pay our bills and every dime that's left in there, you give it away. We'll give it where? I don't care. Get it out of our account. I don't want God looking down on me with me wanting a miracle. Me wanting God to do something to touch my family, my baby, my wife, and I got money in the bank that could preach the gospel? Absolutely not. Get rid of it. Oh, yeah, man. Imagine having a sick baby or a sick wife and eating ramen noodles. Yeah, that was a long 19 weeks for that baby. See, God knows you mean business. When you're in the midst of the fire, when you're in the midst of your dark hour and you can still stop what you're doing, lift your hands and praise the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. It's stopping, praising God and remembering what he's already done. We battled with Trish, my wife. Joah constantly was like, yeah, but look at what you did with my boy. Look how you healed my mama from breast cancer. She was supposed to die. Look what you did over here. Look at, you already helped us in our finances here. You already did this and you already did that and you already helped us with this. So this is easy, God. This is easy. Father, help us today. 
those that are here right now that they're in a dark moment. They're in a dark place. And I know there's some here because I've been there and I've lived there. Help them, Jesus, as they go through what they're going through. Bring life back to them. Let them stand up proud, not defeated. Let them come to your altar and begin to worship you when they're in their car and they're on their way to work and that tear that they're crying comes out. Let that tear drop hit their clothing or their body and the burst. Go into heaven as a sound of them crying out, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.